0: Uh, tonight we're going to do a very very serious type program uh, we're going to deal with major issues like uh, what the devil's going to happen to man's soul uh, we're going to deal with uh, major problems of our time like uh, how come the wind blows from that way and not from that way we're going to deal with uh, eternal questions like uh, the arching sky that hangs overhead and sort of looks down and smiles from time to time. And uh, this is Uncle Wiggily with the serious moment. <laughs> oh, the sun was shining on the sea, shining with all his might. He did his very best to make the billows smooth and bright. And this was odd. This was odd because... Because it was the middle of the night the moon was shining sulkily because she thought the Sun had got no business to be there after the day was done it's very rude of him she said to come and spoil my fun the sea was wet as wet could be the sands were dry as dry you could not see a cloud because no cloud was in the sky. No birds were flying overhead. There were no birds to fly. The walrus and the carpenter were walking close at hand. They wept like anything to see such quantities of sand. If this were only cleared away. They said it would be grand if seven maids with seven mops swept it for half a year. Do you suppose, the walnut? said that they could get it clear. I doubt it, said the carpenter, and shed a bitter, hard, bitter, bitter tear. Oh, oh, oh. oh for crying out loud. Oh, gee whiz, wow. Wow. Oh. oh. That's what we like, simple, honest sentiment. She plays quite well. A little showy, but she's quite good. Yeah, not bad. She has no beat. Very good. If you'll please uh, give me now... On turntable two, cheap guitar music. Not. I don't mean now. Just get it ready in there. Just get it ready. In there. You're very anxious tonight. That's very anxious. Just keep it there because we're going to need it. These are the eternal questions, the questions proposed by the walnut and the carpenter. These questions that cannot be put off. Uh, cheap guitar music, please. A little there. of shoes and ships and sealing wax, of cabbages and kings, and why the sea is boiling hot and whether pigs have wings. But wait a bit, the oysters cried. Uh, When you... When you deal with these things that we've all dealt with, like the boy that stands on the burning deck eating apples by the peck, when you deal with these eternal things, like the rugged constitution... I tear her tattered no no it isn't that's not right no it's says I may her tattered no or I tear her tattered ensign down no you're wrong honey you do not tear her tattered ensign down you put it up obviously you've got the whole bit backwards one does not tear a tattered ensign down one puts it up if one tears it down that means one is giving up honey alright I tear down her tattered ensign okay see <laughs> But these are the terms. Do you do you relate to the ensign, or do you relate to the Constitution, or Old Ironsides? Do you relate to the apples, or the boy on the burning deck, or the captain that staggered down the hatch, hollering, "We are lost"? Or do you relate to the oyster, or the carpenter, or the walnut, or the walrus, or the rabbit? When you when you're looking at Playboy. Uh, well, of course, that's another... Do you relate to Hefner? When well, you're reading the realist, do you relate to Krasner? <laughs> well, then the question is, who the devil do you relate to? And the next eternal question is, do you relate to yourself? That's a good question. That's one of those crummy, rotten ones. Yes. Oh, oysters, come and walk with us. The walrus did beseech. A pleasant talk, a pleasant walk along the briny beach. We cannot do with more than four to give each a hand. (laughs) The eldest oyster looked at him, but never a word he said. The eldest oyster winked his eye and shook his heavy head, meaning to say he did not choose to leave the oyster bed. But, ah, but, four young oysters hurried up, all eager for the treat, their coats, were brushed their faces washed their shoes were clean and neat and this was odd because you know they hadn't any feet but four other oysters followed them and yet another four and thick and fast they came at last and more and more and more all hopping through the frothy waves and scrambling to the shore oh there they come the walrus and the carpenter walked on a mile or so And then they rested on a rock conveniently low, and all the little oysters stood and waited in a row. Yep, the time has come, the walrus said, to talk of many things oysters, kitties, of shoes and chips and sealing wax, of cabbages and kings, and why the sea is boiling hot and whether pigs have wings. Ah, but wait a bit, the oysters cried. Before we have our chat, for some of us are out of breath and all of us are fat. Oh, <laughs> no hurry, said the carpenter. They thanked him much for that. A loaf of bread, the walrus said, is what we chiefly need. Pepper and vinegar, besides, are very good indeed. Now, if you're ready, oysters, dear, we can begin the feed. But not on us, the oysters cried, turning a little blue. After such kindness, that would be a dismal thing to do. The night is fine, the walrus said. It's a beautiful night. Do you admire the view? It was so kind of you to come, and you're so very nice. The carpenter said nothing but uh, cut us another slice. I wish you were not quite so deaf. I've had to ask you twice. It seems a shame, the walrus said, to play them such a trick. After we brought them so far and made them trot so quick, the carpenter said nothing, but the butter spread too thick. I weep for you, the walrus said. I deeply sympathize. With sobs and tears, he sorted out those of the largest size, holding his pocket handkerchief before his streaming eyes. Oh, oysters, said the carpenter, you've had a pleasant run. Shall we be trotting home again? But answer came there none. Answer came there none. And this was scarcely odd, because they'd eaten every, every one. Now the question, of course, is do you relate to the carpenter, who just constantly complained because the butter was too thick? Do you relate to the walrus? Who had a somewhat philosophical turn of mind who pointed out that uh, it was a shame what they were about to do but after all they had to do it or do you relate to the oysters <laughs> this is the yeah you know, oh, that's very good tony that's just well done now hold it down a little bit and the next time sneak it in very quietly because uh, these are, this is the difficulty of course with poetry. Uh, for example, Colonel B drove from the tee, fell in a bunker, played two, played three, four, and then out. And then with a clout, due to impatience and chagrin, no doubt, sent the ball speeding far out over the green into a drain. Add it again. Four to recover, two to lie dead, two to put out, making a total thirteen. How many, Colonel? Scratching his head. Uh, 8 no no wait a bit Uh, 7 he said even as he spoke straight away an oak oh what a beautiful beautiful tree 52 feet foliage complete and it grows on the edge of the 17th D stout Mrs. Y playing a lie had a most difficult difficult lie what have he done lift and choose no lift yeah lose one that's right clearly impossible match to be won far to the right chanced to catch sight of a rival, with back turned, addressed a shot, knew what to do, pointed a toe, and the ball trickled out to a much better spot. Oh, Mrs. Y., look at the sky. See what a beautiful, beautiful pine with its far-spreading shade. What a difference it's made to the look of the fairway of bear number nine. But alas and alack, it was eighteen months back, that the trees began to spring this curious way. Now our golf club is shut. Not a drive or a putt. Not a chip makes the echoes. Eh. Not a crow flight knows or leaps over those well-wooded lands. But the forest department is rubbing their hands. Do you relate to Mrs. Y., the crow flight, the colonel, or the pine tree? Where, where, where? Do you know Robinson Crusoe's story? Do you relate to Friday, or do you relate to Robinson Crusoe, or do you relate to the parrot? The night was thick and hazy when the Piccadilly Daisy carried down the crew and the captain in the sea, and I think the water drowned them, for they never, never found them, and I know they didn't come ashore with me. This is Robinson Crusoe speaking, friends. Oh, twas very sad and lonely when I found myself the only population on this cultivated shore. But I made a little tavern, and a rocky little cavern here, and I sit and I watch for people at the door. I spent no time in looking for a girl to do my cooking, as I'm quite a clever hand at making stews. But I had that fellow Friday, just to keep the tavern tidy and put a Sunday polish on my shoes. I have a little garden that I'm cultivating lard in, as the things I eat are rather tough and dry, for I live on toasted lizard, prickly pears, and parrot gizzards, and I'm really very fond of beetle pie. The clothes I had were furry. It made me fret and worry when I found the moths were eating off the hair, and I had to scrape them and sand them, and I boiled them and I tanned them till I got the fine Morocco suit that I wear. I sometimes seek diversion in a family family, Excursion with the few domestic animals you see, and we take along a carrot as refreshment for the parrot and a little can of jungle berry tea. And then we gather as we travel bits of moss and dirty gravel, and we chip off little specimens of stone, and we carry them home as prizes, funny bugs of handy sizes, just to give the day a kind of scientific tone. If the roads are wet and muddy, we remain at home and study, for the goat is very clever, and the dog, instead of fighting stuggles, studies ornamental writing while the cat is taking lessons on the drum. We retire at eleven, and we rise again at seven, and I wish to call attention as I close to the fact that all the scholars are correct about the collars. Absolutely. And particularly about turning out their toes. Put down. How long has it been since you've been really put down, man? I mean really put down. And again, you have to ask these questions. Do you relate to Robinson or do you relate to Friday? Do you relate to the king that wears no clothes or do you relate to the kid that runs along and hollers about it? Which reminds me, speaking of kings, this is (laughs) WOR. And we're in the fun city. Hit the whoopee button, please. Cocktail, bottle, beer. Sparkling, and distinctive. It's all right, Tony, I'm not going to talk over them. It's okay, bring it up a little bit there. That's it, very big. The great big taste of Miller High Life beer, friends, is sweeping the country. It's just washing everybody down to sea. There's a hearty, full-flavored goodness in every glass of Miller High Life, whether you enjoy this exceptional beer in cans, on tap, or in the familiar crystal-clear bottles. If you haven't already tried Miller High Life, don't miss this fantastically, distinctively refreshing beer. If you're going to get that way Saturday night, we'll do it the light, the bright, refreshing way, friends. It's Miller High Life. <laughs> Flavorful oh, yeah. and distinctive. La-da-da-da-da-da-dee. da dee 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 how long have you been put down? Of course, you know that, that being put down is uh, this, this, uh There's a long tradition on the put-down. Now, speaking of put-downs, we got a couple of uh, spots. Oh, yeah, speaking of put-downs, uh, tomorrow night uh, I'm going to be involved in a gigantic thing. Uh, now, if, if A fits B and B automatically moves into C and C then skips drastically to L, this is a problem that... Uh, We've all felt. Do you live linearly, friend? Or do you live horizontally? Vertically? No, no, these are questions that have to be answered. They say that there is a revolution, sociologically speaking, that man at one point lived his life linearly. And today, man is living his life vertically. Now, uh, of course, uh, this can be graphed. I can uh, whip out a little graph here and and uh, plot the x-axis versus the y-axis. Do you relate when you're doing a problem in graphology you know, with the x and the y-axis? Do you relate to the x-axis or the y-axis? Well, now don't be so sure. If I were to show you a, a, a graph, you know, a chart, a graph, have little squares on it. You <laughs> look so sad tonight. If I were to show you a chart, you see, and the the x which is the x-axis? I will ask you. Is it the Horizontal one, friend, or the vertical one? All right. For the dummies out there, the x-axis is the horizontal one. The y-axis is the vertical axis. Correct, friends? All right. Now, uh, imagine an x and a y. Now, there are two types of men. There's the x-man and the y-man. Now, is it making some sense? A little soft music, Tony, please. It isn't making sense. Well, so much of life doesn't, honey. And that's the problem. Too many people try to make sense of it. This has been one of the great hang-ups of all the ages. To make sense of it. Is a beetle a sensible creature? That's right. Sense has no relationship to beetles, has it? Is a cockroach a logical being? Oh, don't be so quick to say no. There are many people who feel, and with some scientific basis for the feeling, that the cockroach is far more adapted to his terrain, his existence, his time and place, than man ever will, ever could be. So then I ask you again, I repeat the question, is the cockroach a logical creature? No, he isn't. Because we look upon the cockroach as an impingement upon the existence, the time, and the place of man, right? But then again, one must consider uh, what could be called universal logic, as a universal morality, as uh, in universal credit card. Uh, (laughs) The question then arises uh, to the cockroach, is a cockroach a logical creature? And is it the man who is not the logical creature? But this, again, I suppose, is purely an academic question. But then that leads to another question. What questions aren't, friend? It is a purely academic question as to whether the Mets are going to beat the Atlanta Braves. Academic. Because six weeks from now, you will not even remember the game. I mean, who remembers the games the Mets lost in 1962 playing the Cincinnati Reds? Who remembers the games that they won in 1963 versus, uh, academic? People are academic. Who remembers baby Jean Holzer? Nobody, and yet there is a baby Jane Holzer walking around, scratching, waiting for her time to come again. But it won't, because that is the way of logic and illogic. Don't attempt to make sense. But then again, there I am, making sense. Which uh, leads us deep into the heart of the land and the world occupied by walruses and carpenters and cabbages and kings. Oh, whoa. In town, did you ever hear a poem called Fashions and Dogs? An Airedale, erect beside the chauffeur of a Rolls Royce, often gives you the impression he's there from choice. In town, the great Dane is kept only by the insane. Today, (laughs) the boxer is fashionable and snappy, but I never saw a boxer who looked thoroughly happy. The Scotty is a stoic. He's gay, he's mad. His pace is a snail trot. His harness is plaid. Peaks are biological freaks. They have no snout, and their eyes come out. Ladies choose them to clutch to their bosom, a Pekingese would gladly fight a wolf or a cougar, but is usually owned by a Mrs. Applegate Kruger. Cock, <laughs> cockers are perfect for Elizabeth Barrett Browning or to carry home a package from the A and P without clowning. The wire haired fox is hard on socks, <laughs> with or without clocks. <laughs> The smooth haired variety has practically vanished from nice society, and it certainly does irk us that you never see one except when you go to the circus. The dachshund's affectionate. The dachshund's affectionate. He wants to wed with you. Lie down to sleep, and he's in bed with you. Sit in a chair, he's there. Depart, you break his heart. <laughs> My Christmas will be a whole lot wetter and merrier if somebody sends me a six-weeks-old Boston Terrier. Sealy have square sterns and cute faces, like toy dogs you see at Macy's. But the Sealy ham, while droll in appearance, has no clearance. Chows come in black, and chows come in red. They could come in bright green. I wouldn't turn my head. The roof of their mouth is supposed to be blue which is one of those things that might easily be true. To us, it has never seemed exactly pleasant to see a beautiful setter on East 57th Street looking for a woodcock or a pheasant. German shepherds are useful for leading the blind and for biting burglars and con-ed men in the behind. Lots of people have a rug. Very few have a pug. (laughs) No, there's a foot down now the question, of course, is uh, is anything logical? James Thurbert once pointed out the basic illogicality of animals. The basic nuttiness of a small thing with four feet walking around looking for a fire plug. <laughs> you know? <laughs> and so so you have to you have to. Did I ever tell you about the hippopotamus that got married? Okay. A hippopotamus had a bride of rather singular beauty. When he lay down at her side, twas out of love, not duty. Hers was an exceptional beauty. Take, oh, take those lips away, etc. He met her in central Nigeria while she was a resident there, where life is distinctly superior and a hippo can take down her hair. And God, but she was fair. Take, oh, take those lips away. She was coming up from her morning swim when first they chanced to meet. He looked at her. She looked at him and stood with reluctant feet where mud and river meet. Oh, take, take, oh, those lips from me. Their eye beams twisted on one thread instantaneously did twine and she looked and he made a poetry out of his mind such as, Dear Heart, Be Mine. And he quoted line for line Hail to thee, blithe Spirit, etc. Now, hippopotamoid courtesy is strangely meticulous, a beautiful thing, you will agree, in a hippopotamus. And she answered briefly thus, Hail to thee, blithe Spirit, etc. Perhaps she was practicing the arts that grace old Hippo's daughter, the coqueteries that win all hearts. For even as he besought her, she slid into the water. Out, out, brief candle, etc. Now, on the borders of the wood whence love had drawn him hither, he paces in an anguished mood, darting hither and thither, in a terrific thither. Out, out, brief candle, etc., the course of true love never yet ran smooth, so we are told. With thorns its pathway is beset, and perils manifold, as has been from old. Out, out, brief candle, etc. Yet soon a happier morning smiles. The marriage feast is spread, the flower girls or crocodiles, when hippopotamus led hippopotamus with firm tread, a bride to the bridal bed. Milton. Thou shouldst be living at this hour. Now, the question is are you an X oriented person or a Y oriented person? When you look at a graph or a chart, and you see the X axis and the Y axis, which way do you live your life? Do you move from point zero? the moment of conception or birth? Do you move horizontally, inching your way along the X axis towards the point ultime? Or do you move from... Bring it up big, Tony. Do you move... I mean, it it ain't very big that you can bring up a cheap guitar, but bring it up. And that's the basis of cheap guitarry in itself. Do you move from point zero upwards darting higher and higher into the tossing the swirling clouds higher and higher on the y-axis like a skyrocket to fall spent (laughs) oh but that's the question yes man constantly says I move up on the y-axis All swingers believe they do. Others say, give me the good old x-axis. Give me the good old x-axis. I'm looking for longevity, man. That's what I'm looking for. I'm looking for security. Nothing as secure as the x-axis. Somehow the x-axis seems to be a little more comfortable, doesn't it, than the y? But the y is more exciting, right? And the truth, if it were known, we do not travel neither the Y nor the X, but we travel an infinitude of points between. A drooping parabola <laughs> is closer to life's uncertain beam. Hey, that's not bad, is it? Yeah. And and uh, even... even the. Uh, even the X and the Y, while being mystical symbols, mere ciphers created by the mind of man. But has, did, did the mind of man actually create X and Y? Or did the symbol X exist before man arrived? Hanging in midair, just laying out there, sort of glowing in the purple, the eternal darkness of the pre-dawn of history. Or did history begin when the first man crawled out of the water? with his webbed feet and his gills flapping, his mouth gaping, looking for the first next and friendly swinger he could meet to produce that bit of magical momentary magnetic beat. And then, Hey, I'm pretty good tonight. What's happening here? Bring it up there, Tony. Woo! This, this is what happens. And so these questions of philosophical nature... These questions, like, uh, for example, the hex on the Mexican axe. Return from Mexico, he'll grab, if he's luck, a tahakob. And shouting to the driver, son, he'll shout, make haste to leheknin and sehikti first. And now he's there, a hailing fresh monohide air. Manhattan leaps from plinth of stone. His soul sings like a saxophone. Yes, I see the mystery there. Thousands of New Yorkers gathered in the sheep meadow of Central Park yesterday afternoon to mark I Am American Day. The New York Times. Sheep. Unhappy connotation. Let us find a new location. White quince blossom swings I love to take my Japanese ease. I love the maiden Anise, who clings so lightly on my Japan knees. I love the little song she sings, the little love song Japanese. I almost love the lutes Tink Tunkle played by that charming Jap Anise, for I am not, am I not her old Jap Hunkel? Is not she my Japanese? <laughs> Oh, how terrible. I'd rather listen to a flute in Gotham than a band in Butte. (laughs) I said to myself, glad I shall be when I am free, O Rome, from thee, and over the sea, hi, diddle-dee-dee. Bring it up. That's enough. Ow, 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 ow. You just hold that there. I've got some things here. Cramped like sardines and sedated, the sittings... Oh, no, I don't hear that one. It's a little left you there. Let's see, we've got a commercial here. Is your TV... Oh, I think a little music behind this would be kind of nice. Is your TV antenna outdated, friends? It is if you're watching a black-and-white picture haunted by ghosts and clouded by snow. That's kind of pretty, isn't it? I'll repeat that first line. It is if you're watching a black-and-white picture haunted by ghosts and clouded by snow. If your color reception is less than you expected, to get all the performance your TV set was built to deliver, get a Gavin Gold Coast antenna immediately. Gavin antennas are engineered and manufactured right here in the New York area to solve local reception New York problems. And friends, there is a Gavin antenna to solve your TV problem. Color or black and white, on VHF, or the new VHF stations. And Gavin antennas are built to stay on your roof with strong aircraft-type aluminum and revolutionary Psycholac insulators. To ensure the best insulation at a reasonable price, Gavin antennas are available only through factory-trained independent specialists. Oh, thy shineth with a beautiful light. Oh, out, out, out! brief candle, Milton. Thou shouldst be alive at this hour, Milton. Oh, uh, that was very nice, wasn't it? And if you want to find out about a Gavin TV antenna, you can call them in New Jersey at three five six three five oh oh. Oh oh. Oh oh. See what you can do with a little phrase, a little word. You can make the whole thing change. Yes, I could read this Gavin Antenna gold crest Antenna commercial so it would sound obscene. Yeah. You want me to do it? Are you challenging me? Yeah. Don't push me to the wall. Oh, speaking of obscenity, uh, I will appear tomorrow night... <laughs> and uh, I'm reading the poster here. It says, American Field Service presents an evening with Gene Shepard. Tomorrow night, and if you're living out... Around Englewood, New Jersey, we are going to have a big, fantastic bash. And don't forget, you get over there, man. They've got it all wired. I understand they've got the pipes in. We are finally going to do the underwater ballet. And I've hired my Greek chorus. Got a bunch of Greeks from down around 28th Street. And uh, they brought some of that Greek wine, you know, that stuff that tastes like turpentine. And uh, we've got the bazooki players, the whole thing. And I'm going to do my famous toe dance. Well, now, look, don't laugh. Uh, When I was a boy and where I came from, the toe dance was considered very cultural. Yeah, well, uh, Rosella Pullen was the hit of the PTA for years. Do you remember, Tony, when they used to toe dance? They put these shoes, you know, with the things on the toes, and they run around the stage, and this lady plays uh, Columbia, the gem of the ocean, and this little girl dressed in a red, white, and blue bikini, with these little red, white, and blue toe dance shoes, dances, and hops up and down on the... I'll never forget the thing that Alex Josue said about Rosella Pullen when we were sitting backstage. You see, we were going to go on in our act, which happened to be a very interesting pageant. It was, a, it was an oral hygiene tableau, and I was dressed as a uh, decayed molar, <laughs> and the... Uh, and uh, Alex Josway was, de- was dressed as a worn toothbrush. You know, that's a morality play. There are, there's war- it was worn toothbrush versus new toothbrush. And uh, I was the decayed molar. I was the, you might say, the victim, innocent victim. And uh, Eileen Akers, by the way, played a tube of toothpaste. And uh, on the outside it said Snow White. And she played a virginal tube of toothpaste. Very interesting. There was love interest and the whole thing in it. And we were sitting back there, and there was Alex Josway with his worn toothbrush sticking out of his head. <laughs> and out on the stage, Rosella Pullum was doing a toe dance. And Mr. Melton was playing the flute. I believe she was doing her toe dance to the tune of Humoresque. You know, ta 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 ti, la ta 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 ti, la ta tiara 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 cha 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 da. Do you have that in there? I think it would be kind of nice if you could find that. I think you'll find it, Tony. on Fifty great moments of terrible music. I think you'll find it's a last cut, I believe. La ta 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 on one of them discs. Da ta ti and and that Rosella Pullen is hopping around out there wearing her toe dance shoes. Oh, by the way, Madame Dill is very ill and nothing will improve her until she sees the Tuileries and waddles through the louver. Let's call Madame Dill. That's it. Friends, I'm asking your indulgence. Not that we don't often do that. I'm asking you a special indulgence tonight. And I don't mean religiously speaking, friends. I ask no favors of God, and God gives me none. We're on even terms. So I ask of you no ecclesiastical indulgence. I ask you merely your tolerant indulgence. Picture, if you will, a dusty stage in an auditorium, nay, a gymnasium. And out in the middle of the dusty stage is nine-year-old Rosella Pullen, she is dressed in a light pink uh, dancing ballerina costume with tutu, with little gauze that extends from her tiny hips. And on her tiny feet, she is wearing a pair of pink toe-dancing shoes, and she is clumping around out in the middle of the stage, hopping up and down and waving her hands in the air. And behind her stands Mr. Melton playing humoresque on the flute nice. Now if you reset that quick, we'll continue with this beautiful little tableau and pageant. Standing backstage is me. I am dressed as a decayed well it wasn't exactly a molar, it was more like a bicuspid, now that I think of it. What kind of a tooth has only one has only one root hanging down? That's not a molar. Is that a decayed baby tooth, could it be? One tiny root with a thing painted on it and an arrow pointing. It said, it said, <laughs> it said decayed spot. And that was what I carried on stage. It said cavity. And, uh, you know, for years, uh, all the kids in my second, my third, and my fourth grade, after I made such a smashing performance as a decayed Muller, or a decayed bicuspid, called me Old Cavity. And uh, sitting next to me, waiting for our cue to go on, Alex Jossoway was wearing his uh, his uh, costume as a worn toothbrush, battered old toothbrush worn. And uh, on the other side of us, looking like he always did, Jack Robertson, handsome, square-jawed, was dressed in his costume of new toothbrush. Mm-hmm. And uh, coming out from the dressing room, all sparkling and wonderful and beautiful and clean and virginal, was Eileen Akers, dressed as Snow White, a tube of new toothpaste. And so she was listed in the program. The credits. It was a very early showbiz thing. It was truly the very earliest I know of, one of the very earliest pieces of the theater of the absurd. It made anything Arthur Kopit did look like a soap opera. And we were all sitting there waiting for our chance to go on, and Miss Shields was running around straightening costumes. Joshua's brush kept drooping more than even a worn toothbrush should droop. When Joshua, looking at that little bouncing rear end of Rosella Pullen, hopping up and down on her square toe dancing shoes as Mr. Milton played The Humoresque, Alec Joshua came out with the best, the most cutting, the most succinct the most beautifully flowered ad lib that I've ever heard about an eight-year-old girl doing a toe dance to the tune of Humoresque being played by Mr. Melton. A fantastic mo. That's nice. What did he say? This will be available to you for those of you who are lovers of the true mo. That's spelled with a T, friends. Only if you're over 21 and can prove it. Send your name and address to Whoopi. W-O-R, New York, New York, and we'll take care of you. Yes, indeed. And so tonight we salute Alex Jossoway. Yeah, It's very good. Is that all they do? They just cut it off in midstream there? Well, that's what happens with 50 great moments of media. Oh, yes, we're going to be at the American Field Service. Don't forget, friends, now. Tomorrow night, an evening with Gene Shepard. Friday night at 8 p.m., May 19th. Tickets are now in sale at the Music Manor. And it's going to be a big, big thing in favor of and for and behind the American Field Service. And it's in Englewood, New Jersey, at Academic Hall, which is right on the high school campus there, you know, right in the middle of it all, 8 o'clock tomorrow night. Wowie, am I excited. Oh, Englewood, New Jersey. Oh, Englewood, how still we see thee lie. Oh, Englewood, thy magnificent prune in the eye of the magnificent thing that is Jersey. Oh, Englewood, we salute thee. Oh, Englewood, we can hardly wait. Oh, Englewood, oh wow. Oh, Englewood, wowie wowie. Do any of you know anything about the Englewood after whom Englewood was named? <laughs> you mean you don't know? You don't know about that old. For Christ, you don't know the story of Englewood? What a scandal that was. If Englewood, New Jersey knew what it was named after, I'm telling you, it would move to Teaneck. Wait a minute, do you know who T-Neck was named after and why it was called T-Neck? Oh, Oh, Hackensack, what a scandal that is. And so, tomorrow night, Englewood, New Jersey, with flowers, trees, and birds on, we'll be there. And, oh, one more thing, don't forget, friends, Saturday night, big as life, big as fat as life, and true as a bird, we're going to be down at the limelight. Do you know that there is one idiotic teacher who teaches at Chatham High School, who believes that the laughter, Tony, at the limelight is dubbed. Can you imagine that? Well, of course, he's a trigonometry teacher. And trigonometry teachers have a tendency to think in straight lines and angles. And uh, I have never yet known a trigonometry teacher who had any sense of humor at all, none whatsoever. And they're all bald, too, I've noticed that, from birth. Oh, well, oh, well, oh, well, Englewood. Englewood, are you ready? Englewood! Be prepared! A boy stood on the burning deck, eating apples by the peck. And he looked out over that Jersey shore and said, I'm going down with this ship. If this is Jersey, I'm not gonna hang around here. Hello, gang. How are you? Don't forget, are you an X or a Y man? Do you relate to the walrus? Do you relate to the Carpenter? Do you relate to the Oysters? Or do you relate to Mrs. Dill, who just wanted to go to the museum? Hang in there, wolves.